Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are here to uh, sort of recap the first five days of training camp. This is going to be published on Tuesday, which is a day off for the Titans. They return to practice on Wednesday and Thursday, followed by a Friday night practice at Centennial High School in Franklin, Tennessee, and then a Saturday evening scrimmage at Nissan Stadium back in Nashville. And uh, later on in the episode, we will have uh, some pretty awesome content. We're going to talk about uh, Malcolm Butler and his awesome start to camp. We're going to talk about uh, how the receivers have had a not-so-awesome start to camp. Um, I caught up with Kevin Byard and Michael Campanaro after Tuesday after Monday's practice, so you'll hear those interviews too towards the end of the episode. Um, but to start out, guys, let's talk about quarterback Marcus Mariota. Um not a great start to camp for him. A lot of underthrows, a lot of you know, not really connecting with his receivers. Um, specifically, you know, it's been talked about maybe the chemistry isn't there yet. Uh, you'll hear Michael Campanaro in the interview later on talk about how he feels with his chemistry with Mariota. Um, but you know, do you guys kind of chalk this up to what what Matt Lafleur chalked it up to this morning, which was? Uh, just kind of they need more reps, and there's a lot of in and out. Will, I know you talked about uh, there just kind of being a lot of, of uh, turnover at that position over the first couple days of camp. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start this one off. Um, so uh, I was talking earlier off the podcast, and one thing I noted is that I'm not sure that Marcus has had uh, the same wide receivers and tight ends all on the, sa- all on the field at the same time. And, for and two you're days. absolutely right about that. There's been lots Which, of turnover. Yeah, which in some of it, like we talked about, is by design. Like Corey Davis taking a day off, which I think is fine. Um, you know, Richard with his issue, which he hadn't been there the whole time. But 
so much change in an offense that you're learning kind of day by day. It's it's just hard to produce well. I mean, it's hard to expect a guy to be you know exactly five yards when sometimes a guy runs a route short and he's four and a half yards, and sometimes they run it long and it's five and a half. It's hard to throw to a six three wide receiver and then turn around and throw to a five eleven wide receiver when you're not expecting you know that guy in and that. That's all stuff you have to make uh, adjustments to on the day, but you should generally have a better understanding of the offense by the time that happens. So you're kind of getting a muddy look at like the worst case scenario of the offense right now, just in my opinion, because there's no consistency with who's playing at wide receiver. There's so much rotation. I, I just I, I'm not really concerned about it, but you know if this is what we're hearing after the week three preseason game and the preseason games have been bad, then it'll be time to worry about it. Just as far as I'm concerned. No, this is a code red. How do we not look like the Rams already? I don't understand. No, but uh, every, every year around this time and even uh, during the preseason, uh, you hear the same thing that the defense is ahead of the offense. Um, and a lot of that is just because offensive principles are really hard to, um, to, to put onto new players. Um, and there's just been a lot of turnover on this team, uh, both coaching wise and getting back a lot of, uh, a lot of young receivers, um, that still have to, you know, learn the playbook and also get acclimated to, uh, to the NFL because I mean, Taewon and, uh, Corey Davis were injured for a lot of last season, uh, Tajay Sharp was injured all of last season. Yeah. Um. So that just that just has a lot to do with it. Um. And uh, I I mean I I I'm concerned about the offense not doing well just because Rashard Matthews isn't even out there. Um. And I don't know. And from what we saw last year out of Mariota, um, it, it was a little concerning. So those are my reasons for concern. Um. But I'm sure they'll be fine. Um, and a lot of this could could also be attributed to the defense, uh, which looks like one of the better units uh, in the entire NFL to this point. You're right about the secondary. We'll get to them in, in specifics in a second. But, you know, looking back on Mariota's season last year, you know, everyone wants to blame the, the all the interceptions on the scheme, and that's fine. We just talked about it. It was a terrible scheme. But some of it definitely falls on his shoulders. So before we move into talking about the receivers and the defensive backs, I want to ask you to, when you look at Marcus Mariota's game and, and the horrific season that he had last year, what's something about his game, something he can control that you've maybe seen through practice or, or even you know last season that needs to improve? Well, I mean his accuracy, but I don't know if yeah, I don't know if he can control that. Um, but they, they there definitely were too many passes that sailed on him last year, or yeah. just weren't weren't I mean, accurate enough. One that stands out to me is uh, it was either early on or late in the Pittsburgh game. I can't remember, but he he was throwing to Rashard Matthews yeah. on like a, a curl flat, like mm-hmm. and, and concept and and. Uh, it way overshot him. That 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 was that's really the one that sticks out. Um, and also in the first Jacksonville game, he threw a pretty bad interception. He like didn't see. I think it was Telvin Smith. He just completely didn't see him. Um, and he threw it anyway. But uh, an interesting stat. Um, I, I don't know. I I don't know if to take too much solace in this because the person who came up with the stat 
is Kian Fahey, who a lot of people don't like, but in my opinion, he do he does some pretty good work. Um, so he tracks interceptable passes um, from quarterbacks. Um, and last year, uh, Mariota did not have more than two interceptable passes in any single game, um, and he was one of the only quarterbacks in the entire league um, that had that low of a number. Um, even like Rodgers, Tom Brady, they all had um, a lot of games with more than two interceptable passes. Uh, some even had games with like five interceptable passes and stuff like that. So I, I think that's something to take into account. Uh, although he was not great last year, I don't think he was as disastrous as a lot of people make it out to be. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm much more of a homer on Mariota than I think either one of you are. I, I think... He's really good. I think he's shown us he can be a top-end quarterback. If I had to pick something to fix, I would say that I wish he would go back to his pocket movement from 2016 over 2017. I think part of that is because he had that hamstring injury and he rushed back so he could play in the Colts game and just wasn't ever really the same, which, you know, I think we've talked about this before. It's hard to fault him because if Matt Castle's in, you know you don't win that game. And so you miss the playoffs. So, you know, Marcus essentially made the decision to come back and cost himself a good statistical season, hoping to get this team in the playoffs, and that's what he did. Um, But, you know, when he was injured and he couldn't move as well, he couldn't get out of the pocket as quickly, which kind of made him do this weird thing where he would almost run, like, right towards the line and, like, try to hide under him. Like, it, it was really weird. It wasn't the smooth pocket-moving guy that we saw in 2016. What I hope happens is with this wide base and, the you know, a full, healthy offseason and all that, I hope he's kind of gotten back to navigating the pocket better. And a, a lot of that will be – kind of a moot point with how much this offense will move on bootlegs and play action and all that so you know at the end of the day it may not even be an issue but if they do want him to stand in the pocket more than I think they will then I hope he gets back to that you know good subtle movement instead of you know panicking and bailing and or like throwing a ball into tight coverage because that's all that's out there also let me just uh point out that he's 24 years old yeah. And he doesn't. He doesn't turn twenty five until October. What twenty four year old quarterback has it all figured out right now? I don't. I don't think there's any, honestly. Yeah. And when yeah. you look at other young quarterbacks like Jameis Winston, um, or, or some of them like that, they they haven't figured it out at all. So I think we need to give them. A, a I think bit more we time. can all agree that that Marcus is ahead of Jameis Winston. Yes. Yeah. That, but no I mean, he's not there's, groping there's, women in ride shares. Yeah, and he's also better on the football field and has been since his final year in college. Um, but I think uh, there's a there's an article that I've been wanting to write for a long time, but I really just can't find the time to do the research. But I want to figure out how many quarterbacks have uh, are under 28 years old and have won a playoff game in the last two years. I, I don't think it's many. I, well, I, I so mean, in the last not. in just the last two years. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know Russell Wilson did it his rookie year. He won a playoff game. So did uh, Andrew Luck his rookie year. But, I mean, that was five, six years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. No, Andrew Luck made it to the playoffs and lost to Baltimore. In the oh, you're, you're right. And Yeah, uh, and next year they they went and they beat Kansas City in a comeback game. And then, that you know, they progressed like that. But he didn't win. But 
my my point is is I don't think and Andrew Luck's what almost thirty now. Uh, pretty close. I think mm-hmm. twenty eight or twenty nine. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, I mean, there's what like a uh, I, I don't I don't know how old Andrew Luck is. Let's let's say for the sake of this argument, he's twenty nine. There's a five year gap between him and Marcus, which is really kind of the line of delineation between him and uh, that's not right. That that timeline anyway it doesn't matter. But that's kind of the delineation of like. You know Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck's quarterback class, and then there's kind of this barren period where I don't think there was any good quarterbacks taken. Hold on, was did you say under under 28 years old? Yeah, to win a playoff game. Yeah, uh, Brock Osweiler, <laughs> the Brock <laughs> against the against, against Connor Cook and the Raiders. Yeah, that was that was not that's... that was the worst playoff game that's ever been played in the NFL. Yeah, you can. Oh my god! That game, that was a pillow fight. That game was. Yeah, that was terrible. And that was terrible. I was so happy that they won a playoff game. Uh, that was that was horrible to watch. Um, but my point is, is there's not a lot of young quarterbacks in the NFL who, you know, still have you know what 10, 14 good years in them. You know, somewhere in that range, and who also have been, you know as successful as Marcus has at this point. Like like I said, I mean, Russell Wilson, you know, he had a historically good defense. He had, you know, a running back hit in the prime of his life. You know, he had a lot of stuff. Russell Wilson's great, but, I mean, he had a lot of stuff when he entered on his rookie year. He That's why he was, you know, a third-round pick. You know, sometimes when you get a third-round pick, you just land on a better team. But if you're drafted in the top five, it's usually not that way. And it definitely wasn't that way for Marcus – I mean, Mariota ended up on a team who's been completely overhauled since he's been, you know, since he was drafted at almost every position except for left tackle. Uh, I mean, maybe tight end. I, I forget when when exactly Delaney came, if it was before or after uh, Marcus. But Yeah, so we also forgot about um, Blake Bortles last year. He's also <laughs> won two playoff games last year, didn't he? Two playoff games because the Steelers just imploded. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, he beat Nathan Peterman in the playoff game, the first one. That's, I that mean, was yeah. – oh, my God. Yeah. But the point is, like, the future, especially if this offense – 87 passing yards. Sorry. He won with 87 passing Did he have more rushing yards? <laughs> yeah, he had 88 rushing yards. Okay, let's do it like this. How many quarterbacks uh, under the age of 28 Word. have caught a touchdown and thrown a touchdown in their okay, play? There we go. What is it like that? Zero? What? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, is, Marcus has a lot of upside. He's, you know, like we said, he's 24. He's, you know, he's got forever left. And th- if this system works well, they'll have a really good blueprint for how to build an offense around him forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit with him after what he showed in 2016. If he can stay healthy and just, you know, be in a competent offense from the 21st century, I think he'll be fine. And I think it, he'll be one of those guys that, that, you know, he may put up 3,500 yards, he may put up 4,200 yards. But I think at the end of the day, you'll look more at, you know, his total impact on the team, making the smart plays running sometimes when other guys would just like throw deep down the sideline. I, I think that's more what his career will be. Yeah, I, I agree. So I agree. so let's move on from, from Mariota and let's talk about the players who are going to be catching passes from him. 
Look, I don't think we have any doubt that Delaney Walker is uh, is a very talented tight end, one of the best in the game, obviously. And I don't think we have any doubts that once Rashard Matthews, you know, gets right or you know whatever is needs to be gotten right in his situation. Whenever he gets right, he's going to be the same, you know, reliable, consistent receiver he's always been. The mystery lies in the players that have been on the field, aside from Delaney Walker at training camp. Uh, Corey Davis, a lot is being expected of him. Taewon Taylor has shown flashes, but he needs to master consistency. He needs to catch the ball more. He had a bad drop in, on Monday. Um, Michael Campanaro has gotten a lot of looks, but you know his ability might be limited. He's kind of been a career special teamer. This is the first time he's probably going to get chances to, to actually play receiver. And uh, Tajay Sharp, at least for the first five days of practice, has been pretty invisible, maybe a catch or two here and there. But for the most part, you haven't noticed him. I've said for a while that this receiver group concerns me. I talked to Kevin Dyson last week. He says he kind of likes that they're letting the young receivers play. You know, My thoughts on this group are well documented. I've, I've written and, and talked about it for a long time these last two weeks. What do you guys think? Is there too much being asked of this receiver group? Because at least from the first five days of practice, it hadn't looked very good. Corey Davis has had his moments, and he's probably going to be okay. But aside from Corey Davis and, and Delaney Walker, it hadn't looked good. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that the receiver group is the biggest weak weakness on uh, on the Titans roster, um, and it's showing up in camp by all by all accounts. Um, and I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I am concerned. Yes, uh, I, I'm very concerned because Rashard Matthews hasn't practiced yet, and it's been f- what five days already, almost a week, um, and no one has said anything about his his status. Um, and he's on PUP now, so uh, that's definitely something to monitor. Um, Corey Davis apparently has had his ups and downs. Um, he's had a lot of highs, but a lot of times he's gotten... I mean, in some videos, he's gotten out-muscled by Malcolm Butler, but Malcolm Butler is a fantastic cornerback, so I don't think there's anything to, to worry about there. He does seem to be progressing, and as long as he's healthy going into the season, um, I think he'll have a fine season. N- nothing, nothing crazy, um, but a very solid season helping the team um and also having a good pers- personal year um Taewon has looked really good um from the videos that i've seen and from what everyone else is saying um he looks way faster uh, uh in the videos that i've blew seen by uh, whoever it was i wasn't actually at practice that day but i saw the video i think it was sims it was LaShawn's. i think yeah. it was sims yeah yeah man he, god oh my god he toasted him toasted him so that was awesome um Especially because like he didn't run that fast of a forty, he ran four five two. Um, but we saw it last year. He dusted AJ Boye in the in Which the Jags is game. It's very hard to do. AJ Boye, very good. Yeah, corner. yeah, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Um, and Taewon got him, and then I don't think he he got a target for the rest of the season. Now I'm kidding, but I, I mean, I did, he just really wasn't used all that much last year. For whatever reason, I mean, he did struggle a little bit with uh, catching the ball at the catch point, um, but I don't know. He just he I think he's going to get the opportunities that he deserves this year, um, and mostly because we need him to because there's no one else <laughs> except for like D- Darius Jennings. Apparently, is like the best receiver on the he team ha- right he now. He has so. had a pretty nice camp, I will say. He and uh, and Deontay Burnett are probably legitimate competitors for that number six receiver spot 
Yeah, and that's interesting because Jennings was actually pretty solid last year in preseason. I thought I thought he played uh, very well throughout the whole preseason. Well, I think he um, got injured was part of the problem. And another problem was because they had so many mm-hmm. veterans, there was a logjam. Because if you remember, yeah, it yeah. was Harry Douglas, Eric Weems, Trey McBride. And, you know, all three of those oh, guys are, are gone now, so... I remember we had to we had to choose between like eight different receivers and we had no idea who they were. And they ended up taking like five and keeping four tight ends because it was the Mike Malarkey yeah, offense. I know. And we need seven <laughs> tight ends to run the Mike Malarkey offense. We thought they were gonna keep maybe seven and they ended up keeping five. Well, I will say, you know, on this point on this point before we move on to the uh well Will, I'll let you talk obviously about the receivers. Yeah, I was like, Well hold yeah, on. But uh before before <laughs> before Will talks, I will say this. There's going to be an extra roster spot at fullback because there's no Jolson Fowler anymore. You're probably – now, they didn't keep three quarterbacks last year, but Luke Falk is probably not going to make the initial 53-man roster just from initial looks of things. Uh, there's not going to be as many tight ends because this isn't Mike Malarkey running the show. So, you know, the, it's going to be interesting to see with the change of coaching staff from a Mike Malarkey staff to a, a Mike Vrabel staff huh. – there's going to be some extra roster spots in certain places because of just, and I'm not saying what Malarkey did was necessarily wrong in some of these regards, you know, keeping uh, four tight ends or a fullback. There's nothing wrong with having a fullback, but because Mike Vrabel is not going to have a fullback, that's going to allow him to be deeper at another position. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he goes with that. But, but Will, your thoughts on the receivers. Yeah. Uh, first off, what we're talking about right now about, you know, how the roster is going to be composed um, so I actually, uh, did this a little while ago, but, uh, the Rams, I looked at the Rams 2017 offense to see what they carried at the start of the season. They carried three quarterbacks, three running backs, three tight ends, seven wide receivers, and nine offensive linemen. So if you think Mike Vrabel is going to come in and say, okay, uh, Dean Pease, you pick, you pick your 25 because, uh, that's just how it works out mathematically. You pick your thirty, your twenty-five guys, and I'm going to let Lafleur pick his twenty-five guys, and then the last three roster spots will be on kicker, punter, and long snapper. Then you can argue that the three quarterbacks will be uh, Falk, uh, Mario, and Gabbert, and then uh, your running backs are you know we, we can go through the list, but your wide receivers. If you keep seven wide receivers. You'll have Rashard Matthews, Taewon Taylor, Corey Davis, Darius Jennings, Tajay Sharp, Deontay Burnett, and Michael Campanero, which is not the worst wide receiver depth we've ever seen. So I'm not super worried because I still believe in Corey Davis. I still think Rashard Matthews will come back and be an 800-yard receiver like he always is. And Taewon Taylor looks like he can be a good deep threat. So if, if all that's true then I think this wide receiver quarrel sort, of, sort it's out. It's, uh, sorry, my dog's being crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just kicking all around. Yeah, I think, Will, you make a good point as we kind of close out this topic that it is with this receiver position. I don't think anyone denies that there's a load of talent. Corey Davis looks the part. He's got all the athletic traits you want, and he's starting to, to on actually on the field, he's starting to look the part of the number one receiver. But there are a lot of, of scenarios and a lot of ifs. You know, if Taewon Taylor can be more consistent and catch the football, if Michael Campanaro can stay healthy, if Corey Davis and Marcus Mariota can have a better connection, 
if Richard Matthews is healthy. I think that's the problem. The problem isn't a lack of talent. Mm. The problem is there's just too many ifs. Yeah, I agree. That's why we kind of want to trade for a receiver because we can't really pick pick anyone up right now um, because the options left if, are, if you're a, are not if enticing. If you're a, a Titans fan or, you know, you do not want Des Bryant. Des you do not Bryant. want Jeremy Macklin. <laughs> no. No. Uh, in all seriousness, I, I really don't think they're going to trade for a wide receiver. I think they should. I don't think they'll sign anybody. I think, I think this team, if you could say – it's lacking one thing. I don't think it's speed. I don't think it's playmaking ability at wide receiver. I think it's a true slot guy. Somebody who can kind of do what Delaney does, where you find the soft spot, you know, you beat linebackers or the third corner in coverage, that kind of thing, which they, they may feel like Delaney Walker is that guy for them. Like they, they may consider him part wide receiver and not see the need for a slot guy, but if you could get a true slot wide receiver in this offense, I think that would be the one way to get a guaranteed improvement. But other than that, I don't think they're desperate to give up any sort of resources to get like another outside guy or another big guy, you know? Yeah. I was going to say, I think, I think they see Delaney and Janu as serious receiving threats. Um, Especially, I because... mean, obviously Delaney, but Janu prior to him leaving yesterday and, and missing Monday's practice, he, mm-hmm. he was getting a lot of looks, and, and someone on Twitter noted that, you know, one thing's for sure, that Johnny Smith is going to be a big part of the offense this year. Yeah. Yeah, I um, mean, he's crazy, crazy athletic. Well, and, and it helps that they have someone like a Delaney Walker who's a proven veteran commodity, Pro Bowl. He's not, he's not a wide receiver, but he is a receiver. So that helps. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the Rams really didn't have a tight end that they used. Um, at, at least like receiving wise, um, yeah. it, it was Higby and I think, I think Gerald Everett maybe. Oh yeah. Um, well, I know they drafted like, him. Barely... I didn't know if he played very much. Yeah, no, he didn't really get that many looks. Um, and I mean, they used Cooper cup in the slot, so maybe yeah. they just, they're just okay. Putting Delaney out there, uh, in the slot as a big bodied guy. I, I, I would um, not be opposed to that at all. Yeah, yeah, okay, so while we're talking about this, if, if this offense came out and you had your five offensive linemen, uh, Derrick Henry or Deion Lewis at running back, let's say Deion Lewis for the sake of this, Deion Lewis, Mariota quarterback, and then you had Jonu Smith and Delaney Walker, Corey Davis, and Rashard Matthews out there, and you said, okay, we're going to come yeah. out, we're going to start in a two-tight end formation and run the hurry up. I mean, then as soon as you can see what sort of defense packages on the field if they go with an extra linebacker you know if you split out Delaney Walker one way towards Corey Davis or Rashard Matthews and have Johnny in line or vice versa I mean then you start really forcing a defense into an uncomfortable position because now they've got to have one of their linebackers walk out and cover I mean you could run zone coverage but there's a billion ways to beat zone coverage so if they're going in man coverage you've got your you know your best linebacker going out to cover delaney walker well now you've got Deion lewis in the backfield against the team's second best linebacker i mean that that's a pretty good matchup to me and then mm-hmm. if, if if they for some reason have two good cover linebackers well now you just split out johnny and you've got johnny against a bad linebacker i mean that that's just the way the math works out so i, I think there's ways to get around not having a great wide receiver, but I, I'm just not sure what they're going to do yet. I 
I'm also not sure if we should like totally draw the parallel to the Rams last year because they ran their whole offense really through Todd Gurley, and and we don't have Todd Gurley. But but you so, know what the, you know what the Titans do have? They have Delaney Walker, and they have Corey Davis, who are arguably yeah, yeah. more talented than anyone that the Rams had last yeah. year. Yeah, that's why I'm not sure and, if we're going to see the same type of and offense, a running. You know, well, you know we're going to see the same kind of. Um, uh, concepts, at least in a passing game. Scheme, you know, yes. It is yes. this more open passing game, more spread out. Let, let's space it out. Let everyone kind of be loose and, and, and have some space to run. But, you know, you make an excellent point. The Titans don't have a Todd Gurley, and they don't have a Sammy Watkins. But they do have a Corey Davis, a Delaney Walker, and a, uh, a Marcus Mariota in the sense that you know, Jared Goff had an outstanding year last year, but he's he doesn't have Mariota's athleticism. So there's no. a weapon right there, just his running ability. You know, Corey Davis, uh, you know, he and Sammy Watkins are both top five picks at wide receiver. Sammy Watkins, we already know, is a – I don't want to call him a bust, but it's kind of a bust for how high he was drafted. Uh, yeah. Corey Davis is not a bust. He, you know, he still has a chance to be that bona fide number one guy. And we've talked about it for the last couple of minutes. We can't even figure out who the Rams had at tight end last year, whereas the Titans have one of the best in the game. So before we move on to talking about the defensive back, since we've been talking about the Titans uh, receivers, I'm going to play for you uh, my interview from earlier on Monday with uh, Titans wide receiver Michael Campanaro. I got to catch up with him a little bit after the Titans scrimmage in practice. So kind of a live scrimmage today. How you feel that went? Oh, it went great. It's good. It's always good to get out here and just put the ball down and just get out here and play and just call it, you know, no scripts, uh, get a little scrimmage going. So it went good. Now you're on a new team, but you're not the only one that's with this new system because there's a new coaching staff. How do you feel that you and your fellow receivers are picking up Matt LaFleur's system? I think guys have done a great job just uh, from springtime to now. You can really see um, guys just getting comfortable, you know, with the system and um, the details and offense. So that's why we're out here. We're just, um, you know, working every day, uh, working on the details and just getting through the offense. Your head coach talked the other day about how injuries have kind of derailed your career to this point. Mm -hmm. You're healthy now. You're in training camp. You're ready for the preseason. Where's your comfort level right now with your body and your ability to perform on the field? It's awesome. It's awesome. I think, uh, you know, last year was my first year really uh, playing a full season, staying healthy through training camp the whole season. Um, so sometimes it may take a few years for guys to just figure out their bodies, and um, I've had a lot of you know people talk to me about that, and I've just figured out you know routine, um, and I feel great you know out here uh, training camp, just playing hard out here every day. Four years with Joe Flacco, now you got a new quarterback in Mariota. Where's your chemistry at? Oh, it's great. You know, me and Marcus, uh, you know, it's, it's it's been going awesome. You know, we spend time uh, together, you know, outside of the field. You know, we're, uh, you know, he's connecting with all the receivers. Uh, it's, it's been great uh, just playing with him, and he's a you know, great, great leader, great athlete. Really appreciate Mike taking the time to chat with me after practice. Uh, now um, we talked real about. Real quick before we go on, uh, the, the idea of not comparing him to, or not comparing this offense to the Rams is really, really a cool idea. So let me say this. What if we compare it to the Seahawks that run that when Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl, they ran a lot of bootlegs, and then they made you really pay attention to Marshawn Lynch, and then as soon as you did that, that he would Derek roll out. Derrick Henry is not Marshawn Lynch. No, but Derek Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are effective enough running backs to where they can make you pay attention in the run game, and you know 
my, my whole point is, is what if that's the kind of offense that they run where they, you know, force you to pay attention to the run game by rolling, you know, two arguably talented wide or running backs, you know, and, you know, really running them side to side and making you pay attention to that and then freezing your linebackers and then working from there instead of saying, okay, we have an all-world running back like Todd Gurley, let's run the offense through him. I, I guess my point is, in that Seahawks offense, it's not like they had Calvin Johnson. I mean, they had talented wide receivers, but it, it wasn't like they had all pro wide receivers in that offense when they won the Super Bowl. And we'll get to this in a second, but this defense could be really good. Like maybe not Legion mm-hmm. of Good, but not not far away. Yeah, I mean, you make a. It's it's an easy comparison to make because the Legion of Boom was was a group of of uh, okay. I think the Titans cornerbacks as a whole are better than the Legion of Boom. They don't have a Richard Sherman, but you got to remember the original Legion of Boom had a suspended Brandon Browner and Byron Maxwell, who ever since he's gone to other teams has sucked. So yeah. the Titans have that on the Legion of Boom, and that they have like better a better group of corners because when you have Ryan Jackson and uh, and Butler I mean what a they're going to be outstanding this year the difference is Seattle had Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor now granted Kevin Byard and Jonathan Cyprian you could do a lot worse a lot lot worse Kevin Byard an all pro and Jonathan Cyprian kind of struggled with injuries last year but in the past has been one of the better run stoppers at safety in the NFL but they're not Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, and that's the difference. I don't. I mean, I, I agree with you in that they're not that combination. But Kevin Byard is not terribly far away from Earl Thomas. I mean, you look I, at what I, he's done. I, athletically. I, I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's outrageous to say. I, I mean, yeah. I think. So if you if you look at it like in, I mean, if you look at it and say, okay, they're going to be in their nickel package a lot. The nickel package that uh, the Titans have is better than – it's got to be anything in the league, right? Like yeah, maybe I, – I, I, I mean, especially after you know seeing them up close over the last five days, I don't know how you could do better. I mean, yeah, yeah. they've been playing against really bad receivers for the most part, but, I mean, they're, they're good. Yeah, and Minnesota is like the one team I would say that might be on that pace with – you know, a great Rhodes safety and uh, and uh, Harrison Smith and yeah, they they have a really good group too. You're right. Yeah, so like that might be the only team, but I mean, like I respect Jacksonville's defense. They had a good defense last year. You know, maybe it'll be as good this year. I don't know, but I mean, it's so hard to have a really talented third corner in the NFL because by the time their rookie deals are up, you have to pay them ten million dollars to keep a good corner. And the Titans got Malcolm Butler at a deal, which it may not seem like it when you know that he's making more than $10 million a year, but they've got those, they've got, you know, Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan and then Adore on a cheap deal. And that's, I mean, that's a lot invested in this cornerback group. And I think they're worth it. And then on top of it, you have an all pro behind it. So it's just, I mean, it's just a staggering amount of talent and resources that have been put into this defensive backfield. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is like a top five talented defense it, on paper, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, what happens on the field is completely different. But when you look at every level of the defense, I think you have playmakers at every single level. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you've got a pro bowler, you've got an all-pro at safety, you've got Malcolm Butler, who I, I know went to a pro bowl. Uh, He's all-pro. Was he? So, okay, so you've got an all-pro. team all-pro, yeah. A all-pro corner. You've got Wesley Woodyard, who's coming off has, a year where has, has Wood ever been to a pro bowl? I don't know. Maybe, like, in his earlier career with Denver, but you've got so no, you've he didn't. him and a first-round pick at linebacker, and then you've got you know, complimentary pieces to those guys. Then you've got Jarrell Casey, Brian Arakpo, Derek Morgan as yeah. your real stalwart front line guys. And you also have Harold Landry coming off the bench. So, like, not many teams in the NFL have multiple all pros at defensive back and a decent linebacker core at worst and also two pro bowlers on their front line. It's, it's just – it's so talented that people don't talk about it enough. And if they put everything together, which with Dean Pease, who's another smart defensive coordinator, I said that about Dick LeBeau and I had to bite my tongue, but you know, he <laughs> he's a really aggressive, you know, maybe he'll be aggressive where I thought Dick LeBeau would be too. But, you know, it, hopefully what happens is, is he gets those guys upfield and you really see how good this team is because they're not afraid to, you know, make a team beat them instead of having to play play keep away while they deal with a run heavy offense i i cannot wait to see aaron wallace and harold landry uh coming off fresh off the bench yeah wreaking havoc yeah last year uh i wrote and we talked about on this podcast that aaron wallace was the only uh pass rusher that the titans had who had any sort of get off or speed he was their yeah. change of pace pass rusher and now you've got two of those guys in wallace and landry and if they're healthy and if Arakpo gets healthy, I mean, you've got two sets of very different but very skilled pass rushers. And I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going to come out and tell you that Aaron Wallace is going to be Javon Curse, but, you know, could he put up Eric Walden numbers while Harold Landry has a good year? I mean, yeah. And then now you're talking about, you know, four edge guys who combine for, you know, 30 sacks, 33 sacks, something like that, which is a huge amount, but it, it's – I don't. I don't see how this unit doesn't produce at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Uh, I think we all three kind of made some good points on that. I mean, it's a very special group at the end of the day, which the Titans haven't had, arguably ever. In terms no, yeah, of- I'd say maybe two thousand eight, maybe. I guess that was the last time we really yeah. had a true. I mean, and by the way, you know. Arakpo's missed the last couple days of practice. He has some sort of shoulder issue. He'll, he may not play the first preseason game, uh, but you know he'll be back soon, sooner than later. There's nothing to worry about. It, the days that he was in practice, he was destroying the offensive line. Like the, the Titans are going to have, uh, you know, he, he may be 32. Brian Arakpo is, is he, he's 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 still Brian Arakpo. So don't don't forget about him while you're thinking about Harold Landry and, and some of these other guys. Like a sneaky yes. extension candidate, uh, Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan. Like, I wonder if Robinson floats them the same deal and says, "Look, you know, I've got a deal on the table for two two years, like fourteen million dollars with twelve of it guaranteed. Y'all are both going to be over thirty at the end of the season. You know, whichever one of y'all wants at first, go ahead and sign yeah, it." Yeah, but- and here's the problem with extending both of them at the end of the year, and obviously this isn't a topic for now, but we'll kind of hit it. We'll learn more about this kind of as the year goes on. 
But the problem with extending both of them is you don't want to end up in a situation that the Chiefs were in a couple years ago. Because Tomba Holly. Yeah, they drafted D Ford the first round. I was round, gonna say the same thing. Yeah. And and then they they re-signed Tomba Holly to a long term deal. And they had Justin Houston, who in his prime was one of the best pass rushers in the league. And because of that, D Ford never got in, he never got playing time, and now he's kind of been a a middling bust type of player. You want Harold Landry to be your starter next year. You do not want this charade to go on forever of, well, Derek Morgan's the starter. Well, Derek Morgan's going to be 31 years old next year. You want him to be the starter instead of this athletic freak who you took in the second round, who you gave up a third-round draft pick to take? I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense if you do that. Yeah. Here, Here's the one counter I would say to that is, the Eagles traded for uh, Bennett this offseason, and I think they brought back Chris Long while they also drafted. Uh, and see, I'm not crazy about that. I don't even. I, yeah, I, I don't know how. That, that's the thing is I want to see how this works out because Derek Barnett's not going to get a bunch of snaps because Brandon Graham and those two are going to take a lot of it. But if he can do well and get. You know, what if, if he plays 20% of the snaps, 30% of the snaps, and he gets six or seven sacks. I mean, you're going to have to pay a young pass rusher anyway. So I guess to me, it's almost like Moneyball in that, you know, if you've got talented players, find a way to get the guys who can get to the quarterback as quickly as possible. And here's the thing that I think teams, for whatever reason, don't do. And, you know, I, I'm I, right now I'm being a talking head. But this is it. Draft picks are you have them so that you can get cheap talent. Mm -hmm. When you find someone, whether it's the first overall pick of the draft or the last pick, if you find someone that's a starting quality player, and I'm not, I'm, I'm talking someone like Derek Barnett, who went in his limited playing time last year was very good. You got to let that guy start. You can't keep paying all these other people, especially if their contract's expiring and you give them another contract. That is how you drive yourself into a hole as an organization, into a salary cap hole. That's when teams start to have to make cuts. That's when these trades of, you know, cap casualties happen. It's because they don't let their draft picks pay play, and they extend players that are going to take time away from their draft picks. And that is one thing I'd say that's very admirable about John Robinson. There's no more Eric Decker. There's no Harry Douglas. He's not going to pay a veteran player to take time away from a player he spent draft capital on. I think that's a really good point, and that's that's not something I've thought about in terms of Harry Douglas and Eric Decker in terms of, you know, trying to make sure your young guys get a lot of reps. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's why, like, I, I, I kind of just have full confidence in John Robinson to this point because yeah. I, I think he understands that uh, to become a uh, to sustain a winning uh, a win culture, winning organization, whatever, um, you need to find value um, at positions of need uh, and young young value. So he's built he's built this team really through the draft um, and through cheap free agent pickups uh, of young players. He hasn't really signed uh, any old players, and the ones he has, uh, they've been on short term deals um, and very cheap deals. So I'm not sure what he's going to do with Arakpo, to be honest. Um, you you will you think he might extend him, but I'm not, I'm not so sure. At 31 years old. I don't know if Robinson is going to see the value in bringing him uh, back for, uh, here, I would for the rather, amount of money he might want. You know, obviously, we haven't watched them this year, and this probably needs to be the last thing we say about this because we really don't know at this point. 
But, yeah. you know, let's say Morgan and Arakpo have the same season that they had last year. I'm 100% extending Arakpo, not Morgan. I don't care about the age. I would just – Derek Morgan, love the guy to death. He's been a great draft pick for the Titans. He's never gotten to 10 sacks. Brad Arakpo at least has that. Okay. Yeah, but if, if one of them – okay, let's say Brian Arakpo costs – if you're going to do a two-year deal – or let, let's not even say deal. Let's just say it's a two-year extension, so or it's a one-year extension on top of this deal that he has now, which I'm sure is backloaded anyway. So let's say one of them is going to cost six million, and you're going to get Derek Morgan for six million, or it costs nine million to get Brian Arakpo. I mean, they, those are relatively cheap contracts mm. for defensive ends as it is. So, like, honestly, like, I, I know you don't like it, but I'm, I mean, I would do both. Just, but if I had to pick one, I don't, I don't know which one I would pick because it all depends on. What, you know, I trust Robinson to make the most of that three million dollars. But at the same time, like I've said a million times, cap number is nonsense. And, and so to, to that point, here's an option. Now, we we really need to move on, but you know, <laughs> who, who cares? It's training camp. So here's an option. You've extended the one. And these are obviously Lawan, or excuse me, Iraq Poe and Morgan, the two guys that have the the big guys with expiring contracts at the end of the year. The Titans have so much cap space because Robinson doesn't really spend in free agency that theoretically, at the end of the season, you just pick one and give him the franchise tag. Is there anything wrong with that? No, no, that'd be, it, that'd be a good boon. I mean, it, as long as you like clear out enough space, and I mean, it's not the perfect solution, but I mean, it's it's not a bad one. Before we close out our discussion on the defensive backs, I got to catch up with all-pro safety Kevin Byard after Monday's uh, practice scrimmage of Titans training camp, and I was able to get his thoughts on the practice and uh, what his defense needs to improve on heading into the preseason. So the offense didn't get in the end zone one time. How do you feel about your guys' performance today? You know, anytime the offense doesn't get in the end zone, I take a lot of pride in that and feel good. But at the end of the day, man, it's still still plays to be made, still plays left on the field, but at the end of the day, it's only the first couple days of camp. We're getting better. We're heading around direction and, and that's good to see as you mentioned it is only the first few days of camp but we have been here for four or five days now what are some things you've identified heading into the rest of the week and the week before the first preseason games maybe some things you're doing well right now and some things that you still need to work on specifically yeah I, I think we're doing a great job is, of grasping the defense you know I think guys are definitely going back to the hotel rooms or wherever they're doing and watching a lot of film and, and really digesting the defense but at the end of the day man as a defense which is always usually early in camp we're still leaving a lot of plays up on the field too many deep balls uh too many late third down situations where you know giving first downs a lot on the field at the end of the game you know those are those are situations that we have to continue to work on but the one thing about this dbs and this secondary group man, i know if a guy gives a pass he's going to come back tomorrow and still have that same confidence that he had the day before so we're still heading in the right direction you guys have gone from one veteran uh defensive coordinator and coach lebeau to a new one in coach pease how are you guys fitting into a system are you gelling well are you understanding the system at this point yeah, I definitely think we're gelling well. We're not there yet, but uh, we're, we're heading in the right direction. And I think uh, when you have a new defensive coordinator coming in, I think that's the main thing that everybody wants to get down the system first so you can know exactly what we're doing. And then, you know, all the other stuff, man, like the game plan and stuff that we will do in the season, we'll handle that when that comes. But in day, man, Dean Pease is a great coach, legendary coach. Coach probably the best safety in the NFL. 
or is able to play the NFL, in my opinion. So, and you know, I'm just blessed to have that kind of coach like that. Last thing, there's been a lot of talk about you and your fellow defensive backs and how strong that unit is. But there's also some pretty strong players in front of you guys on the D-line, outside linebacker, and your inside linebackers. How have those guys played? Those guys have been eating, man. I, you know, you always see big 99 getting backfield, chasing the quarterback. Brian Arapo has been out in a couple of days, but his first few days in, in camp, man, he was doing his thing. It, it, it just feels great, man, to have a, a front seven that we have, veteran guys, guys like Woodyard, and uh, new guys as well on the front end. So, you know, it's going to be exciting to see those guys when we actually go live because a lot of times in these situations, quarterbacks not really facing pressure. So, when, when, once we get in the games in these first couple of preseason, it's going to be exciting to see, especially a guy like Harold Landry. He has a great get-off. I want to see him in preseason action. Thanks, Kevin. Not a problem, of course. Let's move it along to maybe some topics that we, we will know answers to sooner. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. Um, so, again, the Titans off on Tuesday. They come back on Wednesday. Uh, Saturday, like at 3.30, they have a practice at Nissan Stadium. And then uh, and then they start gearing up to play against the, the Green Bay Packers in the first preseason game. Probably not going to see Aaron Rodgers in that game. Um, so, to this point, you know, there are there is a lot we've learned. We've talked about, you know, the DBs have, have proven their worth really already. Uh, the receivers, we know there's still some work to be done there. What's something that maybe we haven't seen so far in practice that you guys want to see over the next stint of, of practice? Um, I really haven't heard much from Dion Lewis. Uh, I don't. I don't know if maybe he's not making an impression or, or no one's really paying attention. But uh, I kind of want to see. I kind of want to know how the running backs are doing, um, how they're splitting up their carries, and how they're using uh, both of them um, in yeah. specific ways. And I will say that is something that's hard to learn at practice, but just because it's hard right. to run the ball in that setting. But uh, it's been pretty yeah. even, Keel. I will say to this point, like uh, Henry and, and Lewis, they've both had their moments, and they've both probably, if you charted it down, it'd be pretty close to 50-50. Yeah, I mean, okay. good. That's, that's how it should be. Yeah, that's that's what we're wanting to hear. We're want, I mean, I think that's we both agree with that, or we all three agree with that. Is we want both of them to get a real, true, fair chance at the starting job, and then see who really, de- you know, deserves it and earns it. Uh, if if I was going to say uh, something, I want to see, it would probably be that I want Jayon Brown to like legit start. Like I think, and I, I've talked about this. You mean with before. Evans or with Woodyard? No, with Woodyard. So, okay. So here's, I think there's a misconception of what Evans is. You can't really have Evans and Woodyard on the field and be effective, to, to, in my mind. Okay. Because everybody talks about Evans being athletic, and he's, he's fine. Like, but based just off his college film, like, he and Woodyard play the same role. They're, like, trailing hit. Mm-hmm bumpers like guys you want in the phone booth who can also get outside and make plays on the edge but you don't really want them dropping back in coverage the guy you want dropping back in coverage is Jayon brown who by all reports continues to make plays in practice and he's he did it all preseason last year he did it during the season last year you know i remember him making plays against the colts the first time we beat him so i mean he's the guy who if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to run a defense with a run-stuffing linebacker whose primary job, and everybody's got to be more of an athlete now, but if you're going to say, I want a run-stuffer and I want a pass guy, he's your pass guy. If you have Woodyard and Evans out there, you can get spread out and hurt in a hurry. 
you know, because it's going to come down to either Jonathan Cyprian or Evans or Woodyard covering one of those guys, and that's going to hurt you. So I really want to see John Brown, and and I don't I don't necessarily think it'll happen, but I think it's what I think this team will look best defensively when John Brown's out there. So I'm interested in see kind of how they manage that, especially with Evans out, because I think he should get a ton of snaps on the first team defense. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the, the uh, I don't want to say stars, but he's been one of the, the players that has stood out to this point in training camp. That I mean, but that's that's who he should, I mean, with, you know, Delaney Walker out there and Jonu Smith, if Jayon Brown shows out, that's great. I mean, it's not like he's making plays, and we always say, or I always say this name, but, you know, he's not making plays against C.J. Fedorowicz. He's making it against, like, real vertical threat tight ends who can make plays. You know, if he's out there competing with those guys and can hang, what, what other tight ends in the NFL are going to give him trouble other than Gronk? I mean, Jason Kelsey, or... Travis Kelsey, sorry, not Jason Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> the, yes, the Philadelphia Eagles center, beware. <laughs> if, they, if they move motion him out. But, I mean, <laughs> that's that's kind of my point is there's, like, what, three tight ends in the NFL and none of them play in, our, in the AFC South? Like, that. What, what football comes down to, at least now, is you've got to find a way to win your division and then be multiple after that. And – you know, if you've got Jayon Brown, you really can get really exotic with your safeties blitzing, with how you use your corners, all, all that kind of stuff. But if you've got two run-stuffing linebackers in, everybody kind of knows you're going to have to play coverage with your three corners and your two safeties. So I think that's something that the Titans would really benefit from. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's going to do it for us. We will be back uh, next week. We will be able to recap the the nissan stadium practice which will likely be a a bit more of a scrimmage format than a usual practice and preview the green bay packers which it's kind of crazy that we're a week away from doing a a, an opponent preview yes please i need that i need football back and and (laughs) and i will be in rare form when we preview the packers because i am under the belief that that is a horrifically built roster so so we'll, oh, baby. We'll, it's funny we did this with the jets it'll be just like our first <laughs> year oh yeah except the right. jets don't have Aaron Rodgers. that's the difference <laughs> the, the green bay packers at least have the best quarterback in the nfl like the jets were so bad last year and that's won true. what six seven games anyway all yeah. i care is that they beat us in the preseason <laughs> Preseason doesn't matter, guys. <laughs> well, we will be back next week to talk uh, for a longer period of time about the actual preseason games. Uh, until then, I- I've gotten a lot of tweets about that that like Austin Johnson poster. Uh, if you want that, yeah. if you want that tweet, I had lots of people ask me how they can get it. If you're going to be at Titans practice, let me know a day in advance and I'll bring it. And and you can you can flag me down and I will give it to you. It, it will be all yours, signed by. Austin Johnson and the $80 million man, Taylor Lewan. Which we didn't even talk about that. Taylor Lewan got his extension. Oh, yeah, and Dog yes. got cut. Yeah, good good moves right. on, yeah. on both ends. Lenny Walker. Yes, Con- confirmed good moves. <laughs> uh, so and, until we're back next week for Matias Water and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Football is kind of back. It will be really back in a week uh, next Thursday. So until then, we'll talk to you guys later.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.